Welcome to All About Art. My name is Alexandra, and I'm an art historian, curator, and writer. Within this podcast, topics relating to art history, cultural policy, the art sector, as well as a large range of other art-related topics will be covered. Conducting critical discussions, having entertaining exchanges, or just enjoying some relaxing chats? All About Art is where you'll find it all. Join me in exploring and developing cultural discourse. All right, here we go. Welcome, everybody. Today, I want to do a monthly art news recap. And it is currently the beginning of February 2021. This episode is probably going to come out a bit later because it's one of my first episodes. So forgive me if this is a teeny tiny bit outdated. But this is for the month of January 2021. I want to start with some very exciting news that I read on artnews.com, and that is that Naomi Beckwith has become the new deputy director and chief curator of the Guggenheim Museum in New York. She is starting in June 2021, and she was previously at the Museum of Contemporary Art in Chicago. When it comes to black people in the museum, because Beckwith is a black woman, Beckwith will be the first black curator to hold her new position at the museum. In 2019, the Guggenheim hired Ashley James as an associate curator. She did this for contemporary art, and that made her the first full-time black curator in the museum's history. So we now have a black curator, a full-time black curator at the Guggenheim, and we have a black deputy director and chief curator. I think that something like this is very, very important because we often talk about the gatekeepers in art who decide what is art and what isn't, what should be legitimized, what should be brought into institutions. The discussion is very difficult because many say, well, how can we take away the gatekeepers? And the thing is, I think that the way that society works, it's very, very difficult to take away gatekeepers because if some go away, other people will come who have a voice, who then say, I think this is good and I think this isn't. Because not everyone can always make these decisions and have this freedom and and decide what's good and what's not and give everyone the same amount of attention and platform. But on that note, I think that the gatekeepers that we currently have and the way that the system is currently functioning is extremely problematic, especially in the United States. And so I'm just going to read a quick statement that Beckwith gave. She states, One cannot overstate the iconicity and consequence of the Guggenheim Museum. Yet, refusing to rest on its laurels, it readily presents projects that disrupt art history's mythologies. I'm excited to join the Guggenheim and its passionate team at a pivotal moment. I look forward to merging our shared goals of expanding the story of art and also working to shape a new reality for arts and culture. Hearing this statement, or, well, reading this statement, for me, it it ignited these thoughts of gatekeeping and how, yes, it may be a very, very optimistic thing to say, let's get rid of gatekeepers, let's make art more accessible, let's try to make art as democratic as possible, which I think we can begin to move in that direction, yes, but it starts with this. It starts with the gatekeepers maybe not being abolished completely, but changing into people who represent a more diverse opinion. And on the note of diversity, the Artnet News published an article on whistleblowers in the arts, and it covers around four or five different situations. One of them is linked to the Guggenheim. 
because one of the reasons why the previous chief curator, Nancy Spector, left the museum was because of allegations of racial bias from the curator Chaudria Labouvier. Although legally she's been cleared of these charges, Spector is leaving the museum anyway. Hence why uh, Beckwith is taking her place. But I'm going to read a small bit of the article from Art News. Wait, let me see if this is... Yes, uh, Artnet News. <laughs> so, Spectre said she would be pursuing new challenges. She states, I'm so pleased the Board of Trustees moved forward with an independent investigation that sought out the facts and confirmed what I have known from the start, which is that I did not treat the guest curator of Basquiat's defacement, The Untold Story, adversely on the basis of race. And when she doesn't... Uh, doesn't refer to Le Bouvier by name. She ref she's referring to Basquiat, the curator of Basquiat's defacement, which was Le Bouvier. Um, the museum declined to comment on whether there were any legal settlements involved in Spectre's departure. I think that these situations have so much going on, like under the surface. So if anyone has any experience in this or knows more about how work politics of such a situation has an effect on how it actually plays out and what gets put in the press, I would love to know. Because in this situation, it seems like a lot of people are being very quiet. I think I also did read in one of the articles that was written, because there were a few on this subject, that Le Bouvier, I think she tweeted because she was asked why she didn't respond to interviews in relation to the investigation and why she didn't give a statement. And she said that she had received a threat from a museum official or a museum employee saying something along the lines of, don't mess with the Guggenheim because it's such a big institution. The next article that I want to talk about is actually a mixture of two articles, one in the New York Times and another from the art newspaper. And it is regarding the Nick Cave scandal in the village of Kinderhook in New York, where Nick Cave decided to make this installation with large black vinyl letters that read, Truth Be Told. And these letters were placed on the facade of The School, which is a branch of Jack Scheinman's gallery in Manhattan. It was intended to reference the killing of George Floyd by police officers back in May 2020. And it, its intention was to ignite discussion surrounding the systemic racism that's really prevalent in the United States. Sadly, the only discussion that was ignited was if the artwork could be considered signage, meaning that it would violate some local code. Shaneman, the owner of the gallery, refused to take it down, and he stood behind the decision in support of Nick Cave, which I find completely correct, because the administration in Kinderhook is being completely, or was being completely ridiculous, in my opinion, just because it's uncomfortable to be confronted with a harsh reality. Also, in my opinion, the text actually looks quite beautiful in its, in its strength because it cascades down the building's facade. And even if it wasn't beautiful, though, that's not the sole function of art. Art is not there to be aesthetically pleasing to the viewers and to those who think that art's function is to be aesthetically pleasing or just to be beautiful. I think that they need to read a couple of art books 
not to be harsh or anything. I mean, okay, no, it is, it is harsh, but it is my opinion. It's, it's difficult to be confronted with these opinions that say, oh, but this isn't beautiful. And it's like, well, if that's all that you expect from something, that's quite an uninteresting way to live, isn't it? But anyway, I'm getting off track. <laughs> all of this, though, happened before the new year. And there has been an update in January, which is why I'm including it in this art news recap. It was supposed to be on, or, well, the artwork was supposed to be displayed on the facade until January 31st, which I think is really wonderful because this gallery hasn't really been in use because of the coronavirus pandemic. So doing an outdoor installation like that is a very wonderful way to bring art a little bit closer to the community that lives in Kinderhook as well. But the installation was removed a week earlier than intended. So it did actually stay on for quite a while, which I find really good, but it was removed a week earlier. This was despite a lot of support from amazing people in the arts. Nick Cave wrote an open letter and a lot of people in the arts, a lot of professionals signed that open letter and citizens of Kinderhook even signed a petition for the solidarity against censorship. The great news is this installation will be coming to the Brooklyn Museum in the spring. So thank you to the director and Pasternak for that move. No thanks to the village administration, the Kinderhook, village of Kinderhook administration, because I think that it's absolutely ridiculous. It is censorship, I think, because the two reasons why they had such an issue with it is because of this aspect of, oh, is this illegal signage? <laughs> and the second aspect that they used as an argument was that the lettering could possibly be flammable and it covered windows. And that is one of the reasons. And I'm, I'm not going to go over every single detail of this in this podcast. You can go and um, look at the look at the article. But basically, they had rebuttals to all of that of why it's not an issue. It's not flammable. That type of vinyl is used all around New York City. So it shouldn't be an issue. And apparently they had some type of permit on behalf of the gallery as well. So, and you, you can then argue, you know, is it illegal signage or is it art? And it's like, why are we even having this conversation of if this counts as art or not? And I think that was something that the owner of the gallery said. He said that he finds it quite disappointing that that's what the argument really boils down to. And I completely agree. Next up, I am going to talk about some art market news because the Botticelli portrait that was going on sale at Sotheby's auction house this month sold for a whopping $92.1 million dollars. I always want to do the Dr. Evil if anyone knows Austin Powers. One billion dollars. That, that wasn't very good. I'm sorry to anyone listening to this. <laughs> um, but it sold for $92.1 million. This is including buyer's premium because I think that the hammer price was around 80 million or something like that. But either way, it is a record for the artist and it is for any old master painting sold at Sotheby's. It is also the second most expensive old master painting ever sold. The art newspaper reported that it has seemingly been sold to a Russian buyer. So, I mean, you can do with that information what you want. <laughs> so last but not least, I'm going to talk to you guys about one final article that I found in the art newspaper. 
And it is about a website that offers lifelines for UK artists who are struggling during the pandemic. This was founded by London-based Alice Black, who was the co-director, the former co-director of the Design Museum in London. This website is called Art Ultra, and it's basically to help artists by providing them key information on grants, residencies, studio spaces, and other business matters. Alice Black stated, I worry we will have lost a generation because there is simply a whole swath of artists who will not be able to support themselves. We need to find a way to make more opportunities available for more people. The art newspaper writes that artists most likely to stop practicing are to be from lower income backgrounds or from diverse ethnic origins. And this is something that we talked about earlier in this podcast, how a lack of diversity in the arts is detrimental. So bringing in more diversity and making sure that this goes up all the way to the gatekeepers and those in higher positions, to the artists, to everyone working in the arts is something that really needs to be encouraged. Which is why something like this is so important, because the overall plan with this website is to help artists find financial support, but also to provide guidance on business matters, even things like negotiating contracts, is what the art newspaper has reported. It is difficult to find access to a network or to increase exposure when you can't even have any type of live exhibition or anything like that, because it is a struggle, especially now. And I also, on that note, want to mention that there is another website that I have discovered on Instagram. It's called Artenda, and they do the same thing. They provide information on art residencies and art opportunities, and I think that it's very, very useful. When you first log on to their website or when you, like, visit their website, it says something along the lines of, oh, do you want to sign up and subscribe? And it seems as though you would have to pay for the information that's on the website, but you do not. It is a free and accessible website. Of course, I'm sure that they would appreciate a little bit of financial stability and income. I don't know about their situation, but they do provide these opportunities and this information. And I think that that's half the battle to it. Well, it's not half the battle. Let's, let's not say that. But I think that it's a big, big help to have these opportunities all gathered in one place or two places. And I agree that this is a big help to artists. And I think that it might be nice. I'm not sure if they have positions for art professionals, not just artists working in the arts, because I think that that would be something that would be useful for all of us. My peers, me, I mean, I have a job currently, thank goodness, (laughs) but others who may be looking for jobs, who may be looking for opportunities, if there would be something that's not just going on all the different websites. I know that the Arts Council also shows it, but it would be nice to have these opportunities listed, not just with the institutions and on a select few websites, but actual domains that are made for these opportunities so that people know where to look. And so at least that step is something that is made easier to make for people in the arts. But anyway, that is it for my monthly art news recap for January 2021. 
I hope you enjoyed and let me know if you enjoy these art news recaps or if you don't like them that much. And I would really appreciate it if you would leave me like a review. I mean, I say that in my outro anyway, but I would really appreciate it because this is a new podcast and getting feedback and knowing what people like, what people don't like would be extremely helpful because I am always happy to go into what you guys are interested in. That would be really fun. I have fun researching all of my podcast topics. So yeah, thank you so much for listening. And that is it for today on All About Art. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave me a rating or a review as it helps more people discover the show. Also, feel free to share with your friends or if you share on social media, tag me and get in touch. Thank you so much for listening.